You're listening to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the athletics department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, and I am flying solo this week. Dylan Schwartz has the flu, which is super useful because, one, he's our women's basketball contact, and two, because I share an office with him. So the best case scenario for me is to be healthy enough to do my work and half of his this week. But I digress, and we wish Dylan a speedy recovery back to full health. Usually this would be the opportunity he and I would take to uh, banter back and forth uh, about whatever occurs to us, but uh, I'll just kind of do this, I guess. Um, Last week we cut a hasty addendum ahead of the podcast to include mentioning that the Govs defeated Vanderbilt, top team in the nation, Vanderbilt, on the diamond uh, the Wednesday before last. I wanted to expound on that a little bit this week and particularly touch upon the performance of one Brett Newberg, who held the fort for the governors as they were able to rally and defeat the Commodores down on West End. thought that was a very impressive performance for the Noob. Uh, just a really impressive performance all the way down for the Govs, and hopefully that's going to be something that's a springboard for them this season. I feel like you know early returns are what they are because it's it's cold, it's not still very conducive to baseball weather, at least not in Tennessee, on a consistent basis. And so, for the most part, it's hard to really tell what they've got so far. I mean, Jacques Pichu has been excellent. Parker Phillips has been excellent. Garrett Spain has been a very pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody thought he would be this good this quickly. But hopefully the beating the number one team in the nation is something can springboard the Govs to bigger and better things as we go forward in this regular season. This week is spring break, which I literally did not know until Terry Taylor told me en route to Murray on Saturday. Uh, The useful parking situation probably would have filled me in on Monday, but still I hope all governors are enjoying their spring break and hopefully being safe and responsible wherever they have gone. Let's look back at last week now. Men's basketball, as good as they've been this season, and you don't win 21 games by being below average, Last week was a struggle. Two road games to close out the regular season ahead of the OVC tournament. The trip to EKU turned into another Terry Taylor game. Uh, He scored 37 points, 27 in the first half, and pulled down 15 rebounds. Uh, Did everything he possibly could and probably a little bit more to win that game. But it was such such a bizarre game. Uh, The Govs, for just the fourth time all season, failed to crack 40% shooting from the floor, which when you've got guys like Zach Glotta, and high high efficiency post players like Terry, Chris Porter, Bunge, Barb McGee. It's just it's stunning to to not hit forty percent from the floor. McBrayer Arena is a tough a tough place. The Govs have now lost four or five up there. Uh, that their fans are passionate at this season on both the men's and women's side has been a struggle in Richmond, but that does not lessen the home court advantage that that fan base gives them. Late in the game, the moment of truth, um, EKU's all-OVC wonderkind, Nick Mayo, drove the lane. I thought he slipped. The officials thought he was bumped. They with the whistles enforced the rules, and so a foul was called, and Mayo hit his free throws, did his job uh, to put the Colonels ahead. The Govs had one last open look that just rimmed out, and that's – it happens sometimes. I thought that – Terry Taylor did as much as he could to win that game. 
and that it came down to a 50-50 call either way. I thought he slipped, personally, but the ref saw it another way. And, you know, really it shouldn't come down to that at the end of the day, and it did. EKU outshot the Govs in all facets of the game. A very rare occurrence for Austin P this season. That's just the fourth time an opponent is best of the Govs from the floor, from three, and from the line. So a real confluence of events had to unfold for Eastern Kentucky to win this contest 82-80 to as they did. Then we go up to Murray State on Saturday. I think it's weird when one team commits 14 fouls over the course of an entire game, and another is whistled for 10 fouls on a single player in the same game. Maybe this is me making excuses. Maybe this is me shouting at ghosts, but I thought the refs went out of their way to protect John Morant on Saturday, which is fine. Don't get me wrong there. Protect your star players if that's how you see fit to conduct business. That is a trickle-down thing from the NBA to all levels of college. It's fine. I don't. I get it. You want your marquee players to be treated a little bit differently. That's whatever you want to do. But Terry Taylor's also a star in this league, and should probably be extended the same courtesy. I just. I think you should have both. You can't have one without the other. To me, for the governors, uh, we had a lineup shakeup for the first time really since the end of November. Uh, Antoine Butler and Jabari McGee re-entered the lineup, um, and it was it was an opportunity for the Guffs to try a different combination and try to get a spark off the bench by moving uh, Jarrett Gibbons and Steve Harris to the second unit, and it really worked. I mean, from that standpoint, Harris scored 26 points off the bench, drove the lane with an aggressiveness that, I mean— he, he has always been very, very good at slashing the lane, but he drove in a way against the Racers that I don't think we'd seen since Jamaica when he really started unleashing the full-fledged, here's what I can do offensively and very few people can stop me. And that's that's exactly what happened. 26 points, uh, 13 field goals, didn't hit a shot from three, didn't hit a shot at the free throw line. It was all... Slashing the basket, attacking the rim, floaters in the lane, and layups. And he did it to absolute perfection. But it was not to be for the Governors in a 94-83 to decision up in Murray. Um, it's As we head into the tournament, and we'll get into this more later, it should be noted that now opponents are hitting better than six. Uh, the, oh, golly, no. Opponents are hitting better than 50% from the floor over the last six games, so going to have to tighten up defensively, uh, start holding some of these teams back closer to their season averages as we head into the tourney. On the women's side of the hardwood, uh, I don't want to belabor the EKU game because that, whoo, boy, um, EKU was bad this year. They had two wins, none against a Division One opponent. Their coach and staff were not retained uh, quickly following the season. And I don't, I don't root for people to get fired. I don't root for any. I don't. I don't even have a passing interest in what other schools are doing with their staffs. But man, it would have been tough to bring them back after a two and twenty-seven record with no Division One victories. The Govs actually trailed at halftime, 
but outscored the Colonels 45-24 to in the second half and 21-9 to in the fourth quarter alone to punch their ticket to the OVC tournament. Also securing career win number 100 for David Midlick, a very impressive milestone for him. Uh, really happy for, for David and what he's been able to do this year with this team. Uh, I thought early in the season there was some concern, particularly after the Mississippi Valley State game. I don't think anybody who was here for that can say in good conscience that they weren't a little concerned because that's that's a team that was very good last year, and we lost to them at home. So to see what's happened since then has been very impressive, and I'm very, very happy for David that he was able to hit this milestone this season. Uh, against Murray, they rallied from a huge deficit but could not overcome it in the end on the road, pressed defensively, and forced a series of Murray mistakes and miscues in the second half. Uh, Ariel Gonzalez-Varner, the rare athlete who can guard all five positions at the wing, on the ball, leading the press, she can do it all. She was a disruptor against the Racers. Uh, really, I, I know that Brianna Furby was, you know, just from a pure points standpoint – is kind of your headliner from that contest. But Ari Varner really, really, I thought was the difference in them getting back into that game and having a chance to to really push Murray there at the end. Uh, coming out on the short end in both sides of a rivalry doubleheader like we did on Saturday sucks, but there's every chance that we can see both of those Murray programs again in Evansville this week, and we'll get into that uh, the second half of this. As we move on to the Diamond Softball, 3-3 three and three since we last spoke with a midweek win at Middle Tennessee uh, last Wednesday and two at the Chance Clear Showdown against Radford and Jacksonville. Daniel Learman cranked three home runs against Radford in the opener, setting a program single-game record. It's probably about time that we start to appreciate Learman in the same way that the old-timers appreciate Andrea Miller and Angela Thompson. This is one of the five best players in this program's history. So let's take a second and treat her as such, because she deserves it. She is absolutely, from the day she started here, has been the focal point offensively. And she spent the bulk of the first part of her career being the only true threat in the lineup that opponents could just pitch around her knowing that there was not a whole lot that we could do to make them pay for it. And so now with a little bit of protection in the lineup her last couple of seasons – I mean, she has really flourished. Against Jacksonville, Casey Acre hit a pair of dingers as well. Govs have 28 big flies as a program through just 20 games so far in 2019. So the Govs mashing all over the park. Uh, Learman also tied the program record with her 39th career homer in Sunday's finale against Radford as the Govs on a pretty similar trajectory to the one they started last season with. Uh, Obviously, that ended pretty well for the Govs, but I think it's I think it's important to remember that just two short years ago, this was a team that just this was a program that was just rudderless, really and truly. There was no, there very rarely was any reason for hope, and there is an abundance of reason for hope now. And I think it's important as we move forward, and they finally get to come home here soon, that people start to get out and support this team because they are they're really good. Baseball, um, something, something, weather, forcing movement, changes, and so forth and whatnot. At some point, we will reach that magical epic of nice weather in which it's pleasurable to play and or consume baseball on a regular basis. 
but given the forecast, it's probably not this weekend either. Last week, dropped two at Indiana State to a Sycamore squad that could very well challenge the powers like Missouri State and Dallas Baptist over in the Missouri Valley. Took the Sycamores to extras in the second game. Jock Pichu practically flawless. Seven innings of two-hit scoreless ball while striking out nine. Pichu really, really good here. Very sharp early on to start this season. Tuesday, the Govs won a wild one at Raymond C. Ham Park, erasing a seven-run deficit in a 12-11 victory against Lipscomb. Parker Phillips drove in three runs. Garrett Spain knocked in four. Each of the first five hitters in the Austin lineup scored multiple runs. Malcolm Tipler worked four walks. Four. I mean, I know walks aren't, you know, the most sexy stat, but four in a single game is a lot. Phillips, Garrett Kieber, and David Martinez each picked up three hits, and friends of the pod Devin O'Donovan and Greg LeBan tossed three and two-thirds scoreless innings to close out the contest, combining to strike out seven Lipscomb batters to help the Govs rally and earn Travis Jansen's 200th career victory as a head coach. Moving right along tennis, the women's tennis team remained unbeaten thanks to wins at Kennesaw State and Stetson. Claudia Yanis Garcia unbeaten at number two singles. The Gus won the doubles point against both the Owls and the Hatters. Defending champion EKU dissolved their women's tennis program. The Gus were easily the second best team in this league last season, and Claudia was either hurt or playing with her non dominant hand, which I feel like we didn't make enough of a big deal about what that was last year, but she when she got hurt and was able to play again, she just switched hands and went right along beating everyone like she always did and that's amazing and yeah it's just amazing I don't I don't even know what else to say about it because I'm not a smart enough tennis person but that's not the point here the Govs are easily the league favorite as we hit this point in the season now you kind of start wondering as we're getting close to the midway point if an unbeaten regular season is a real possibility I think this weekend, this upcoming week, as we get out of that and start to head closer to the start of conference, will really be the telltale for the governors. The men's team went 1-2 and two last week, knocking off Southern Indiana ahead of losses against Kennesaw State and Bethune-Cookman. Five players picked up singles wins against the Screaming Eagles. And as we head into the last part of the Open here, um, all OVC announced on Monday of this week, uh, with the end of basketball season, the awards rolling in. On the men's side, Terry Taylor, a first-team honoree, while Chris Porter-Bunton was second-team for the first time in his distinguished Austin P career. Keisha Gregory took home a well-deserved first-team honor on the women's side. It was a tough year for her with the passing of her mother, and to be able to be to do what she's done on the court is a real testament to, to her character and her commitment and just the, the growth and maturation that she's had as a person in the last four years is is very impressive as for the weekly stuff Almontes Ozelos earned the first weekly honor from the conference for the Gus tennis program for his week um, and Learman also won weekly honors the conference's best hitter on the softball diamond tying the aforementioned Andrea Miller for most hitting honors in program history she hit 591 and drove in 14 runs across six games last week and that's that's video game numbers. Like that's not even video game numbers. That's video games on easy numbers. She's just she's dominating whoever's on the out there right now. And it's I would say it's fun to watch, but we haven't gotten to yet. But we'll rectify that here pretty quick. 
as we get set to take a break and bring in Brandon Vial of the Austin B baseball team right after this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. Candy paint with the white on top. Lambo doors or the woo-up drop. If you busy plotting on what I got, kicking your door and swat you thought. Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop. Half price my whip, same price my watch. Got no jumper, but I ball a lot. So you're stony, I do it I want. Candy paint with the white on top. Lambo doors or the woo-up drop. If you busy plotting on it's a long way from Reno, Nevada to Clarksville, Tennessee, but have height, have a fastball, and will travel, as the saying I just made up goes. And so we have Brandon Vial, a member not only of our marketing team, but more notably our baseball team here at Austin P. in with us today. Brandon, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, there's a lot of places I wanted to start, but I guess I'll lob up the softball first. How did you get involved working in our athletics marketing unit? Um, so, just being in the marketing program and partly being a junior college transfer, I kind of had to make up some credits. And one way I could do that was do an internship that counted as a class. And technically, you know, don't have to have any class hours. So, did the internship with the, the athletic marketing here. And I uh, started doing all the football games and then towards the end, the basketball games. And it was super fun. I mean, Sam and Bailey, obviously. Bailey was the one that nominated me. Shout out to Bailey. But uh, love Bailey needs two. all the shout outs she yeah, could get I, last week. I, I was, yeah, I was paying attention last week. That was one of the better ones. Very honest, Bailey. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it something, is athletics marketing something you're thinking about doing in the future? Or is it more of a get along to get through class thing? Um, I think. I can see myself doing that in the future. And I think the purpose of me doing the internship was partly because it get the credits. And then the second part was to see if I could see myself doing it. And I thought it went pretty well. So I think I could see myself doing that in the future for sure. Let's talk a little bit about growing up in the biggest little city in the world. The BLC. Yep. Yep. Reno, Nevada. Yeah. What's it, it like to actually have a life there? Because <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Well, it's, you think about places like Reno and Vegas, and mm-hmm. you know they're pl- they're destinations, but you don't think about people being natives from those cities. Right. Um, I guess it's really unique because it's kind of like a melting pot. You're pretty close to California, like specifically Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco. So you kind of get that influence, and then on the second half, you get like the cowboy influence. It's kind of like the wild re- wild west. Um, for example, my, uh, my physical therapist in high school, he wore cowboy hat and cowboy boots every single day. Like he was, he was a cowboy dressed up as a physical therapist and he, uh, every day I would go in there and he would have bull riding on the TV. I didn't even know that was like, uh, broadcasted every day type thing. He was like a bull riding channel. Yeah. There must be a channel out there that's full bull riding or Broncos and he would be loving it. I mean, so that's what I'm talking about is to get kind of the, the two, drastic sides to it it's kind of like a melting pot and then uh, a fun fact too is that we have the one of the bigger bowling tournaments in the world or something like that <laughs> so that's fun <laughs> we never go but i mean <laughs> it's cool to have well the cowboy thing takes me into the, the thing that i wanted to ask about next which is something that i learned actually had a name yesterday mutton busting tell people what mutton busting is all right so mutton busting is when it's mostly at rodeos i think it's only at rodeos um it's when you're a little kid and they strap you onto a sheep well, not strap you kind of just hold on for dear life onto a sheep and then they open the gate and they let him go and you hold on for as long as you possibly can and then um you know eventually you'll fall off because you're a little child <laughs> and the sheep's trying to get you off his back and um 
So that's that's mutton bus, and that's one of the greatest attractions at rodeos, especially the Reno Rodeo. And it's something that you were pretty good at. Yes, very good. I had some practice um, leading up to it. I had this uh, I had this dog. His name was Socks, and he was a big black lab. He might have been the biggest dog on earth at that time. Not because it's, I was so tiny; like he was actually a big dog. And um, we used to do this thing every night where we would uh, like my mom would brush my our teeth, my brothers and I's teeth. Um, upstairs and so I used to ride socks up the stairs I would just I would like hold on to him for dear life and go up the stairs and um, so that was good practice and um, after a while you know socks started getting old so then we had to go into mutton busting instead so it turned out I had a pretty good talent at mutton busting <laughs> did it for like two three years in a row was there ever a thought to doing some rodeo stuff as you got older um, no I mean like my dad was pretty cowboy i would say uh and he worked with the rodeo but outside of mutton busting I, I mean i see people get hurt doing bull riding all the time i'm pretty happy with my decision to play baseball instead <laughs> talk about playing baseball and a little bit about your journey just through the years because you used to be a catcher mm-hmm. now you're a pitcher uh looking back kind of through your bow it looked like you didn't throw maybe as much as some people would have expected in high school mm-hmm. but just you, you walk me through it. I'm not going to yeah. try to predict things. So um, all the way back to the catching career, uh, I was very young, and I used to catch all the time. And it was to the point where um, Austin, my middle brother, was two years older than me. And we used to be on the same team. Uh, I used to play up with him just because my parents didn't want to have to drive three separate places. kind of made it easier when we were on the same team. And the funny story with the catching is that um, Austin would be pitching and I would be catching. And I'd get mad that Austin's not throwing strikes. So then I do this thing that's kind of humiliating. But when the catcher throws it back faster than the pitcher's pitching it. And so we used to get in a lot of arguments on the field. And our coach, or my dad was the coach. So he had to deal with that. And I would be chucking the ball back at him. But that ended when I had surgery when I was 12. And having surgery at 12 is pretty, like, not good. So they said no more catching. What kind and of surgery was it? It was ca- it was uh, on my knee, and it was partially because of catching, and it was partially because I played other sports like year round, so never got a break. Like I started running with a limp, and I couldn't really feel the limp. It just was like how it was. So they put four screws in my knee, and they fixed that thing up. But the guy said like you can't catch anymore. So from there on, I was like, well, got a strong arm from throwing the ball back, so I might as well just become a pitcher at this point. And then, um, like you said, in high school, I didn't pitch all that often. I think um, we had a really good team. Like, my my class was very senior loaded. So whenever you got your innings, you kind of had to make the most of it. And luckily, um, one of those starts, uh, Feather River came and watched. And from there, I was able to go from Feather or from my high school to Feather River, which is the junior college I went to in California. What's it like growing up the youngest of three brothers, aside from getting picked on and beaten up most of the time? Uh, that's, uh, that hits it spot on. But I think one of the things is that it, uh, it really toughens you up, especially since um, me, Austin, and Matt and I, or all three of us, really worked and did everything together. So, like, if we played catch, it would all be us. You know, it would be three of us, and they'd be throwing as hard as they wanted to at me as a little kid. And so – got to toughen up and you got to learn to kind of deal with some of that stuff and I think it honestly helped me even though at the time I was always crying to my mom about how they were being mean to me and stuff but I think it worked out pretty well you're talk about your time at Feather River um Feather River 
I love Feather River, but uh, the first month or I would say semester was a learning experience because I went from somewhere like Reno, had a lot of stuff in it. And then Feather River was in Quincy, California, and it was population of 5,000 people. It had no cell service. It was in the mountains. Like I remember the first, the first week I was there, I was driving home at, I was stuck at the one stoplight. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And of course I was stuck at the one stoplight and you can see the gas or not the gas station, the police station right across the street. I see something start, you know, making its way across the street. I'm like, what is that? And I kind of see a little better. It's a bear. And there's a, there's a cruiser parked out front and this bear put his hands up on the cruiser and then got up on top of the cruiser and started like patting on it and I was like I have no idea where I'm at at this point <laughs> I've never seen that ever so I was like wow this is this is completely new but the same effect that being that small of a town and kind of being out of your uh, element per se it really had you kind of grow as a person and because there was no cell service the whole team hung out we really became like a really close family so that was one of the most unique things and then obviously the juco grind you know you don't get we got like five dollars for meal money every day so <laughs> for for each meal and um the best well it gave us incentive to win but when we won we got to go to panda express so <laughs> <laughs> big big incentive to winning there but I wouldn't change it for the world I thought it was amazing I loved Feather River absolutely so how did you get here um so crazy long story but uh pitched well my freshman and sophomore year and I was looking to transfer obviously go somewhere else and I wasn't getting much um much uh buzz I guess towards the beginning of summer and then the draft happened and then some schools kind of lost some guys and were kind of looking for someone quick and that would would have been me and then um i was actually all ready to go to rice university and uh the only thing i was waiting on was to be accepted academically and that kind of drug out for a little while that fell through and so at this point it was like almost august so school's about to start i'm like wow i don't know i'm probably gonna be out of baseball for this year which is crazy because i've had two good years and then um Greg Byron called me, and if you know anything about Greg Byron, when he gets you on the phone, he will not let go of you. <laughs> so I had a good about two-hour-long talk with Greg Byron, and then he convinced me to come out, and I just fell in love with it, and I was like, pulled the trigger. And then that was literally August, and then came out, drove out two weeks later, and I was here. You've gotten the opportunity to do quite a bit of starting and work quite a bit out of the bullpen as well. Where are you more comfortable? I would say starting, but um, – I also realized that you can't just uh, box yourself as a starter necessarily because there are times where you're going to have to be a reliever and you're going to just have to deal with it. If you say, like, I'm a starter and then kind of, you know, suck, doesn't it's not a good excuse, <laughs> you know. So uh, it's a different mentality, certainly, but um, I like being a starter, but I can definitely do both. I can put myself in that mentality both ways. What's your philosophy on pitching? Um, well, my f philosophy is to throw strikes because I just That's remember a good one for a pitcher. Yeah, I have. would say so. But my reasoning was that when I was hitting, the people that I hated hitting against were the people that consistently threw strikes because then, like, if you weren't prepared from the first pitch, your bat was just gone. And I just remember I was not a good hitter, so keep in mind that like a lot of lost at bats there but <laughs> so I just remember I was like man I want to do that because if you can get ahead of someone and just kind of bury them and the next time they come around they're like I don't even have I have zero confidence 
So that's my my approach. Uh, generally, it's just the attack, and you know, if they hit it, they hit it. But I don't want to walk people because that's uh, that's something I can control. You know. So the the next thing I want to ask you about has nothing to do with baseball, but it, it does have to do with the beanie you're wearing on your head, which is mm-hmm. the Raiders. Yes. Uh, you're a Raiders fan. Sadly, yeah. I'm a Raiders fan. Yep. I don't meet many of me. <laughs> so, um, what what do you think about the move to Vegas? Um, first of all, I don't like it. Because it's closer uh, to your home. It's closer to home, and they get a big uh, tax break on income tax, so they might be able to get some bigger players. But at the same time, being from Reno, I've been uh, programmed to hate Las Vegas in every way possible. Really? Yes. We so Reno is it like and Vegas a big brother, little brother kind of deal. Absolutely. Yeah. We we I remember seeing. I actually have this shirt. I should have wore it, but. Uh, it says build the wall and it's between Reno and Las Vegas. <laughs> 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 we do not like the people from the South. And, um, I mean, obviously it's closer and that's only a, like a 40 minute plane ride. So I might actually go to some more games now, but there was nothing like going to Oakland to for the, a game. The, the did, Oco. Did you go? How oh yeah. Oh, I've, I used to go when I was little and, uh, I remember I have a picture in the black hole. Those guys are super nice, by the way. They oh, don't, yeah. They don't look nice. Like, no, on, whenever, on TV, they do not look whenever nice. Whenever they come to Nashville, I always get tickets to right. the Titans-Raiders game, and mm-hmm. they're always the most polite people. Right, yeah. And if you see them on TV, you think these guys are crazy. But they were super nice. I remember having pictures with them, and I would go to games. Um, last time I went to a game was actually not in Oakland, but it was at San Diego when they were actually good for that one year. They were 10-4, 10-6. Yeah, the, yeah, right before car everything precisely yeah so i remember going to that game and there was actually more raiders fans than san diego fans and then we won and then afterwards they announced that they were moving from san diego it was the best day of my life honestly (laughs) (laughs) best day of raider fandom but yeah that's that's kind of the thing is we've had one year of quality football surrounded by two decades of just Mm -hmm. the dumbest possible stuff at every yeah turn. It's, it's pretty frustrating but i'm always on board of the raiders to the super bowl train every time they win one game so like they were i think they were 0-4 and then won one game and i said raiders to the super bowl i thought it was going to be a spark but um no i was no, wrong uh, <laughs> maybe back to the raiders yeah maybe next year yeah we'll hope i mean a lot of draft picks right yeah well can't mess up that many play I, the odds <laughs> look they got three first round picks and i don't know every it, it seems like, it seems like everything I've heard is they're gonna take the dude from Ole Miss who's oh, yeah. swollen and jacked, mm-hmm. but may or may not actually be able to catch a pass. So we'll see. We'll see how that works yeah. out. You know the Raiders thing is yeah. Always is, is Jamarcus Russell your favorite Raider? Oh my god! I I had Jamarcus Russell as my Twitter avatar for <laughs> longer than I'm proud to admit. Honestly, I was at towards the end of his career. He was so big. I was like, make him a tight end. I mean, we're paying this guy millions or, of dollars. Or an offensive lineman. Right. He's so big. Like, yeah. He was a big quarterback. So, yeah, that was probably the best time of my life. Um, Matt, my oldest brother, he is a bigger Raider fan than me, and he hated Jamarcus Russell. Oh, yeah. Oh, it hated. Was, it was hard. But that I remember thinking at the time, if they draft Brady Quinn, who would right. have been the other choice, mm-hmm. he will be swallowed up immediately by Oakland fans. So right. there was a no, it was a no-win yeah. situation. No, there. there was absolutely no win. Oh, yeah, Austin P. This is an Austin oh, P. Oh, podcast. <laughs> I forgot. Um, now, all day about the Raiders. Yeah, I can I can go for a while. Mm. So now is the the modified questionnaire that I like to close this thing out mm. with. Um, 
What is your favorite word? All right, so I got this from Savannah, but it's called, it's not called, it's glugagon. And yeah, I can't tell you what it means, but she says it a lot because- Is it, is it like a biology word? It's some biology word. It has okay. something to do with blood and sugar. And how Savannah studies is she studies on paper and then she likes to teach me the material like I'm the one that's supposed to learn it. So. Really, I should get a double major. I should be. I was going <laughs> to say, so you're also going to graduate with a biology major. Well, good yeah. for you. Yeah. Hey. So she'll tell me everything, and then she'll be like, Do you understand? And I'm like, Yes, I absolutely understand. You just say yes, so you can move on with your Yeah, life. if I say no, I'm going to get retaught. Oh, no. Yeah, there's no. no way. What's so, your least favorite word? Um, least favorite word. It's kind of tough. Uh,. I would say, I mean, this is a really popular one, but moist. Bailey said it too. It's just a weird word. And, and, and like the way people use it, like, I don't think they say like this cake is moist. Why, I, why can't you say this cake is good? Like this cake tastes nice. Because it nice. doesn't necessarily, moist does not necessarily equate to good. In cake, it does help. But right. I don't, honestly, I very rarely hear the word moist outside of people answering the question, what is your least favorite word? Yeah. For some reason, it's really popular. I just remember, I, and this is like kind of like going along with it. Someone on my team in high school said that this mound was moist, and I was just like, I didn't have a, a picture at all. What could that be? You know, I was like, so is it muddy or is it like okay? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, that's not. Maybe it's like when you spray the infield before the game starts, and then it's nice right as the game starts. Yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't call the infield infield moist. I don't think I by would any means. either. You could work that in there anytime, I guess. Who or what inspires you? Um, I would say my brothers, uh, if that's okay, two people. Uh, okay. so um, You're my, answering the question, yeah. man. You could say whatever you want. Yeah. So um, my brothers uh, my brothers definitely inspire me because they, uh, they're they pretty goal-oriented, and they know what they want to go and do, and they, they're really good at, you know, getting after it. That's the best way to put it, I guess. Like, Mold's brother – he just became a dentist and then just bought a house. And he's only four years older than me. So it's kind of putting a little pressure on me. But I'm really happy for him. And then the same for Austin. Austin is in the engineering degree or in the engineering program. And he's, he's wicked smart, like goodwill hunting wicked smart. So I had to work that in. I there. was about to say, you're, <laughs> I, I could appreciate it from O'Donovan whenever he came here <laughs> dropping the random wickets. But right. you're from Reno. No, yeah. Uh, what's the last book you read for fun? Um, last book I read for fun. Um, honestly, not a big book reader for fun. I am reading a book about, um, about like how to mentally prepare for pitching. It's called the mental ABCs of pitching. I think that's pretty fun, but I probably wouldn't, uh, you know, give that to anyone else that doesn't pitch. It's fun for me. Yeah. It's useful <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I handed to Savannah, she might be like, okay throw strikes i mean it could be <laughs> it's, yeah no probably along, be as useful for her uh, this is a little off topic but along with throwing strikes in savannah i don't know if you know this but savannah is an amazing pitcher she has never played a sport with a ball in her life but she will we have these little uh driveline balls that are squishy and it will set up the couch and put a uh, strike zone on the couch, and she'll throw a bullpen. She'll throw it like a hundred times, and she'll put it in the strike zone every single time. Wait, this is y'all's living room. My living room, yeah. Okay. I'm sacrificing my walls for her bullpen. What's your landlord think of that? No comment. Okay. 
Uh, speaking of dual sport, mm-hmm. uh, she sent me the video of you attempting pole vault yesterday. Pretty impressive, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, you got... Uh, you All the way to the pit. You got to the pit and into the air, which I was... Incredible. Very, yeah. You, I know. I think I'm picking it up as a second sport. I don't know what the eligibility is on it, but I definitely think I have a future. Of course. I mean, you know, you, all you got to do is just study on it and put your mind to it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. What's your worst habit? Um, my worst habit – hey there, person. Yeah, our podcast studio is not exactly uh, <laughs> secure. Um, so <laughs> I'd say my worst habit is opening and closing um, social media. Like, So like, I'll be on Twitter, and I'll be like, okay – like, I already saw this, close it, put my phone down, pick it back up, go back to Twitter. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I just saw this again. Like, I'm pretty good at staying off my phone, but, like, on bus rides, that's my worst habit. I just pick it up. you nothing else to do on bus rides. I'm waiting for anyone to post anything juicy online. I mean, I am waiting when I'm on the bus, but most of the time it's just me picking up my phone, opening, closing. So that's a bad habit I could probably cut out. I tried putting the screen cap thing on my phone and, like, the app limit and i tried doing it for an hour and i hit it today at 8 a.m so well i got up early for whatever reason and i was like i'm just gonna and sit you here. spent the whole time scrolling through your phone might as well i mean i had i had a, i had a roommate or not roommate a teammate sleeping on my couch downstairs so i didn't want to go downstairs wake him up and i don't have a tv in my room so i'm explaining myself now but this is <laughs> this is this is why i'm at my app limit and it's uh 11 25 today so, no more social media for me today. What's the most terrifying situation you've <laughs> ever found yourself in? Um, most terrifying? Oh, hands down. Okay, so my friend Sean, it was his uh, 16th birthday, and me and all our friends were going to go um, airsoft gun. Like, we had all had, we had all airsoft guns, right? You know, those little pellet things that you can shoot people with? Yeah. And um, we were just going to go to this park, and we were going to have, like, a big war with it. And it was, you know, it was at night. And my gun that I had was actually Austin's, and it was metal. But it had that orange cap thing on the end that signifies that it's not a real gun. And I thought it was a good idea to make it have a black tape around it. So you couldn't really tell. So, <laughs> so I, of course. I, I, I can see where this is. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I'm good at this game right i'm not bragging i'm just good at it and me and wes are good at it so it turned into wes and i facing everyone else and um they're driving around in cars trying to find us and stuff and all of a sudden they drive off and i'm like okay i know they didn't just leave us right because they're like we're we're doing well they didn't just say okay let's just leave them and so we're behind the stone hedge at this park and we stand up and right on the other side is a cop and i was like oh no okay so we like we, we uh, get down behind it, and you got to keep in mind, Wes at this time is like a five-star long snapper who has offers from, like, Ohio State and, like, Alabama. And um, I was thinking, like, dude, if we get arrested, you can't go there anymore because you're just a long snapper. Like, there, you're not, like, a five-star safety. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we got to figure this out. And so we're like, let's wait it out. And um, 30 minutes go by. He's still there. We're like, okay. Uh, clearly there was a disturbance and they were looking for us and it's like okay we just have to get up and tell them what was going on so we get up and we're like hey we have our like guns in there we're like hey you know we're over here and then he comes out and he's like uh we tell him the situation and he looks at my gun and he was like 
can you unload that for me so I can tell it's not a real gun? And I say, sure. And I'm nervous. I'm like shaking. So I did the, the worst thing you could do. I'm trying to t unload it, but kind of turn it towards him. And so he grabs at it, rips it away. And I'm like, oh, like shaking and stuff. He finds out it's an airsoft gun. And um, he decides to like not to do anything. He was really chill about it. But for a second there, I thought I was going to go to jail and I was going to take Wes with me. And that was no good. But then the cop turned out to be really cool. And he pretended like he arrested us and then went to our friend's house who bailed or just left without us, knocked on the door and was like, hey, by the way, I'm going to take these two to jail. And you could see like the mom was crying in the background and Sean was peeking out from behind like the, <laughs> the stone hedge in like their house. And like it was hilarious. They're like, hey, I'm just going to take him to jail right now and then close the door. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're fine. <laughs> And, it, and then we actually, uh, later on, we found out that he was just actually eating dinner. Like, he was just on his dinner break. So, he wasn't actually looking for us. We just kind of built it up in our head. You guys ratted yourselves out. Right. Absolutely. If we probably left, or if we probably just sat if there a little bit longer, another he would have left. <laughs> yeah, he was eating a salad. So, it was like, <laughs> but in our head, I was like, we're going to jail now, Russ. Like, better, better get ready for it. So, that was hands down the most terrifying thing. And it turned out to be okay. Boy, I don't have a segue from that to... <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a unique story. Yeah, oh. uh, so, yeah, I don't do segues here, apparently. So, what's your <laughs> idea of happiness? <laughs> um, my idea of happiness is, I mean, it's kind of more of a state than, like, a situation type thing. It's kind of feeling content with where you are and what you're doing. Um, I think a lot of people kind of fall in the place where they don't like necessarily for like their jobs or something. They don't like what they're doing. They're just not happy. And I think like if you're able to find something that you really um, enjoy and you really want to pursue, you know, I think that will make you happy. So like right now, I'm really happy playing baseball, you know, and I obviously want to do something in athletics because athletics makes me happy. So I think that's what really happiness is, is just being content where you are and being happy with, you know, what you're doing. What's your idea of misery? Um, my idea of misery is when I'm sitting in a class and I don't know anything on a test. Like, not, not from lack of preparation, just that I maybe studied something that wasn't on the test. That's misery. That's like me so sitting there. I'm like, I'm defeated. So you have that, that nightmare of taking the test you haven't studied for right. quite often. Like probably. they tell you study A, and I study A, and then like kind of a mixture in A and B is on the test. And I'm like, I didn't study at all B. So I was like, I, I only say this because it's fresh right now, but I had a strategic management test where I studied my butt off for it. And I thought I did, you know, I thought I was ready for it. And I got on the test and I was like, honestly, I have no clue how this is gonna go and it actually turned out okay but for a whole day there i was freaking out i was like i didn't know anything on that test but i ended up getting good grades so i don't know how that happened just out here grinding i guess good grind out a <laughs> good grade I, I, on I gr a test. grind just out on a test you're not prepared for <laughs> that's a talent <laughs> yeah I don't, the test, tests have gotten way different when i was in college if you didn't know anything it was obvious from the get-go yeah uh-huh what makes you self-conscious um Hmm. I would say what kind of baseball pants I have because I remember at junior college I had these baseball pants that did not fit like too tight and I was like I probably look so stupid I probably look like I'm 
wearing spandex. So now we got Under Armour and we got shout out to Under Armour. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. Any, <laughs> now any, I got pants that fit. Thank you, Under Armour. <laughs> no, no more Juco uh, spandex fitting pants. It was funny. We had like five pairs of pants, but the one pants that we like to wear all the time was the spandex ones. So, but um, yeah, insecure about looking a little stupid on the mound is probably the biggest thing. That is the most specific answer I've gotten to that question. Right. So far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think I, yeah, probably. What is the most embarrassing song that you love? Um, that I love. Well, there's this song. It's called. I don't even. It's a. It's a Hispanic song. It's called like Taste. Taste Fatal. Hold on, I can look it up for you. I play it for Savannah all the time, and um, I only saw it on Twitter for a baseball team doing it. And I thought it was hilarious. I kind of wanted it as my walkout because it kind of has like a, I can't find it right now. <laughs> but I wanted it as my walkout for a time being, and I had Savannah test it out. Am I allowed to play it right now? Sure. All right. Hold on. It kind of has a catchy beat, but like. Not not like a hype beat for a, what you would envision for walkout music, though. Right, yeah. So that's why I got the axe, not because of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason like i saw it on twitter i was like that's a good song <laughs> i'm gonna play it all the time now how would you prefer to die um uh can i just say instantly because i really just don't want to drag it out i think the worst thing you could do is burn alive or drown because that takes forever you know i'd rather just be done be done with it if you were reincarnated what would you like to come back as i would definitely be a dog I think everyone that knows me would agree with this. I'm definitely a golden lab. If we, if reincarnation is a thing, there's going to be a huge influx of dogs because that's what everybody has said. Okay, can I change my answer then to something else? No, absolutely not. You want to be a dog. Well, Savannah thinks I should be an elephant. Or not elephant, sorry, a giraffe because I'm clumsy, apparently. And I guess giraffes fall down a lot. I mean, I don't have much experience with giraffes, but right. they look fairly graceful. That's, that's what I thought. But she said baby giraffes fall a lot, so she calls me baby Baby giraffe. everything's fall a lot. I'm baby people fall a lot. <laughs> True. True. Not me, though. What <laughs> might prompt you to lie? Um, prompt me to lie? Huh. That's a tough one. Mm, I, w- I don't want to say embarrassing because, like, Obviously, that's not a good reason to lie, <laughs> if it's embarrassing, just uh, covering it up. But I guess, actually, you know what? Yeah, it just came to me. All right, so the perfect time to lie is when you're setting up a joke for later on. Like, I told Savannah one time that I could tell her future, and so I was like, give me your palm. Obviously, I can't tell the future. That's a lie. But it set up a good joke where I was like, okay, so I can see your house is right here, and then your front lawn's right here. And I was like, if you look really closely... And I had her lean in, and then I spit right in her hand, and I said, there's your pool. So, good joke. (laughs) Savannah went and turned around and did that to her dad, who is massive and strong, and he did not appreciate it. But better her than me doing that, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's good (laughs) that she's using your material on her family to kind of ease them into it. Yeah, exactly. What makes you hopeful? Um, I like seeing uh, a lot of good things within the community not necessarily on social media i think sometimes you can do um charity work and sometimes people post it online and kind of looks bad i understand where you're coming from it's good rep 
but um, actually doing stuff in the community, you get to see a lot of faces outside of your immediate environment that makes you feel pretty good. Like if you go volunteer at like a church for, for example, we were helping um, pack like Christmas boxes for kids that didn't have, couldn't afford Christmas and stuff. And so um, seeing a lot of people from the community, like all ages, everyone was in there and it was, it was pretty cool. So it's like, if you're just driving around, this is how I think about it. If you're driving around in a car and you just see someone, you don't know all the, you know, good things that they do, especially if they like cut you off in traffic or something. So I think it was cool seeing like all those faces from all different backgrounds doing something good. I think that gives me hope. What's our purpose in life? Um, our purpose in life is to leave where, well, earth, I guess, uh, better than what we found it in any shape and form. So if that is making an impact on people in a positive manner, then I think that would be, you know, in that category or, you know, cutting down on, uh, you know, environmental waste. Just make it so when we leave, it was better than when we found it type thing. Always being helpful and nice. So what are you planning to do, like, you know, mm-hmm. not after this in terms of today, but, like, long term? Um, so I wanted to go into athletic marketing, see how that goes. And I don't know why, but I think I might be a good coach, too. So I'm going to – I have to, obviously, two very big different sides of the spectrum. Um, but, obviously, I want to kind of feel that out, too. I think coaching is really unique because – you do get to work hands-on on with a lot of people, and you kind of um, get to help mentor people, if that's the good way to put it, you know. If someone's really struggling, you know, baseball or your coach could be a reason to turn it around or a reason for hope to turn it around, you know. I think that's really inspiring. So I think that's possibly in my future as well. What about playing? Uh, I'd love to keep playing. I mean, if I – for whatever reason get drafted or anything i want to keep going i want to play as long as i possibly can you know i want to write it all out and be at the end of the day be happy with what i did and like know that i did everything i possibly could to make that my dream come true you know i mean still very early into Mm -hmm. this season but are you are you confident are you liking what you're seeing so far yeah yeah especially um you got to know i wish you were there for the week leading up to the season because I've had a pretty good season. I had a good turnaround so far. But the week leading up to, I had this inner squad that was, like, god-awful, terrible. Actually, I did hear some things about that. Really? Okay. So, it spread. So, that's good. So, like, it was catastrophically terrible. So, that's probably the worst thing as a coach and a player you could see when you're going to face Kentucky <laughs> in one week. So, the fact that I was able to have that, I think – it's almost like the, you know, uh, the undefeated team losing before going the playoffs. You can kind of get that out of the way. So, had a really good knock on wood. Had a pretty good season so far. I'm fe- feeling really good about it. And I think as a team, I think we're in a good position moving forward too. I think we're starting to figure some stuff out that kind of comes with, uh, honestly, like a new team. We kind of lost a lot last year. So, we are uh, having some growing pains, but I think we're in the right place. I think we're going to take conference on pretty well we're looking forward to seeing that especially as you guys get underway from the conference standpoint this weekend uh brandon for y'all thanks for coming in today man yeah, i really enjoyed it thank you appreciate it
candy paint with the white on top. Lambo doors or the woo-wop drop. If you busy plotting on what I got, kick in your door and swat you dollars on the tabletop, cause price my whip, same price my watch. Got no jumper, but I ball a lot. So you're stony, I do what I want. Ah, big thanks to Brandon Vial for taking a little bit of time out of his spring break to come in here and talked to me for a while very interesting I, it's the first time i've really gotten to sit down and talk to him but he's a really interesting dude as we look ahead to this week everyone's competing again everybody i if you're an off-speed student athlete you're doing something I'd, I'd guarantee it this being spring break and almost everybody's on the road to various sunny locales but you know basketball's in evansville but not what you typically think of as being sunny, but it could be pretty beautiful by the end of the day Saturday if things work out right for the men's and women's basketball teams. The women's team opens up at 1 p.m. Thursday against Tennessee Tech, a Tennessee Tech program that the Govs polished off on the road at the end of January. Govs looking for their first OVC tournament victory since 2012, and this will be a prime time for them to get it. The men find out who, how who or how their tournament state kicks off on Wednesday night. By the time you hear this, we'll know whether we're facing Moorhead State or SIU Edwardsville in the quarterfinals. Either way, the guys will need to get past that foe to face Belmont in the semifinals. OVC play opens up on the Diamond at Murray State this weekend, where weather permitting, as it always is this time of year, the baseball team will kick off the 2019 conference schedule. Also have a midweek visit to Southern Illinois next week as things really start to ramp up for the Governors. Now this is going to come as a shock for some people, but we have home softball this week as the Govs host North Alabama at a new-look Maynard Stadium. Grandstand refurbishment and a real-life honest-to-God press box among the highlights. Fare thee well, old Red Mennonite Shed, where we used to have to do all things from a game ops standpoint. Full slate of the spring Olympic sports goes full speed ahead this week, beginning with beach volleyball season debut. Taylor Mott's governors will be down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, for the March to May, hosted by UAB. The guys will face off against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, New Orleans, Spring Hill, and Georgia State to open its third season of spring beach competition. Also getting underway this weekend, the outdoor track and field season, beginning in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Friday for the Coastal Carolina Invitational. Second straight year that the Govs will visit Myrtle Beach. Last year, Sabrina Richmond won the 400-meter dash, and Maya Perry-Grimes made her season debut with a runner-up 12.42-meter triple jump mark. After a month off, women's golf returns to action for its first full-fledged spring tournament, heading to Dade City, Florida. A hop, skip, and a jump from Plant City, the hometown of Austin B. freshman Taylor Debman, the person Amy McCollum has put at the head of this week's lineup for the Western Kentucky-hosted spring break shootout. Big tournament to start the year for the Govs will give them a pretty good idea of where they are as they truly get the spring session underway. Important to get the seniors off to a good start. Reagan Green won her last tournament to close the fall, and... While both Goodley sisters have varying states of success throughout the fall season, that trio is imperative for Austin P. success this spring. 
Staying on the links, the men's golf team is out in Nevada this week for the Jack Rabbit Invitational in Boulder City. Guys have already put together a busy spring, getting in two tournaments ahead of this one. This is a great chance to face off against programs we don't usually get to see and measure ourselves against different competitions. Seems like Austin P is in a tournament with UT Martin and Tennessee Tech four times a year, but we don't see the likes of Detroit very often, for example. And as we close out here, busy week for the tennis programs, both at Valdosta State on Thursday and return next Wednesday to host Butler on the men's side and Dayton for the women. The women uh, looking to remain unbeaten with a pretty good chance to do that. Uh, as we always talk about around this point in the podcast, Haley Jacoby has all of your community service opportunities. Spring break, um, not a ton going down from a service standpoint here around the community and campus. Uh, but on everyone's return, there's a SAC meeting on March 13th. Otherwise, keep hitting up Haley for various service opportunities. Get in touch, stay in touch via web and social media. This is usually where I ask Dylan to uh, shout out Taylor Wiseman and Tyler Davis over in the creative office. As well as tell you where you connect via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at Let's Go P for all of those, as well as the individual team Twitter accounts as well. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Nole, and myself, we've got stuff over there that uh, you may be interested in, you may not, but, you know, teach their own. Uh, and ticket gurus Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper have you covered from the Austin P. Ticketing Office for all ticketing needs. If you're going to Evansville, you need to contact Katie for tickets. Do it. Do it right now. Pause the podcast, pick up your phone, call, and get yourself squared away there for Evansville. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. And if you would like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Offer me some criticism after my first solo podcast or just tell Dylan how very much you missed him. Tweet at us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at Dylan Schwartz. And we'll talk to and or about you next week. Goodbye. I wanted more from life than four kids and a wife and a job in a dark Kentucky mine. A 20-acre farm with a shacky house and barn, that's all I had and all I left behind. But at gambling I was lucky, and so I left Kentucky and left behind my woman.